Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Paul. Wow, I have just woken up to the news. Corey Colbert has been traded. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense for a late round pick as well. So, what are we thinking? Fifth, sixth, seventh? It's uh, not much compensation. No, not good at all. I think this is one of the um, uh, advantages of us having a uh, podcast being uh, recorded in uh, UK time. We can get the exclusive out before other podcasts. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get this online within the next hour. Yeah, I think I'd rather be like the Americans, though, and still in bed. But uh, work calls. <laughs> work, yeah. We're not getting paid for this, mate. Um, so, yeah, so uh, let's do this. Let's have a quick... Um, five, ten minute chat about this, and then what we can do is we can edit in uh, what we recorded over the weekend, uh, all about your show, mate, Cap Space. Yeah, it's just, it, it was badly timed, I think, is the first point to make. So if you'd have tried to make this trade during the NFL draft, after the draft, around free agency sort of time, before that, then you can get real trade value for a player, because... Teams are in need, they're filling up their one, two, three slots on a roster for wide receivers. But to wait this long just doesn't make sense. If he wanted to wait, then wait till the end of the season. Unless John Dorsey truly believes that there's that much talent in Higgins, in um, Ratley, in Janice, in uh, CJ Broad, that he wouldn't have made the roster. But Are you... Um... Are you missing something there, Jack? Do you think he's done um, done something wrong, upset someone, or misbehaved, and Todd has just gone, get out? What do you think? Uh, it might be. There's always been questions over his attitude, but I just don't think you'd dump a first-round talent that quickly. He's had two unlucky hand injuries, and he's made some plays, but quite frankly, you can't judge any of our wide receivers for the last year based on their play from Deshaun Kaiser. I noticed Mary Kay saying that he had a hamstring injury on Saturday. Do you think that's linked at all? They knew that they were going to trade him? Who knows? They might have told him just to stay out of the way and uh, keep quiet. But it's one of them. I don't know. In the coming months, we might find out more. It's all a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, I just... I. Th- I think they could have got more value. You're looking like, I think you could have got a third or something. But personally, I'd have kept him. You're in a really risky position now because there's the potential for Josh Gordon to relapse. There's the potential for Callaway to do that as well. And then potentially we go into week one of the season with Jarvis Landry and a bunch of potential kids. And that isn't the way to build a roster. My man CJ Board, he could just make the roster now. He could make the roster now. But the question is, you want these kids to make the roster by beating out the competition, not by John Dorsey giving away our players for nothing. Corey Coleman never went away with um, the guy, did they, for them uh, uh, videos down in Miami, did he? I don't believe so. But to be fair, there's been lots of promising reports. Sort of, I think it was the first day of training camp, he didn't do too well but then they were ranking him up as one of the best players in training camp for sort of two three days and there was promise he was delivering and he had to change his style when he came out of college it was a very basic run route but he had the athletic traits to to do something special so I don't understand it but uh here we are I picked a, a 15th 2016 uh, draft um, I'm looking down the list this morning Sterling Shepherd, uh, we could have had him a bit later on, or even Michael Thomas, uh, Pro Bowl. Uh, yeah, uh, that's one thing. Uh, Sassy Brown may not have done very well, mate. He's judge talent, mate. Well, it's, it's one of them though. If if Corey Coleman was being thrown passes by Drew Brees and Michael Thomas was getting passed to by Deshaun Kaiser, is Michael Thomas getting dumped today? And Corey Coleman's already a Pro Bowler. Because a wide receiver can't make the passes um, unless you're Julian Edelman and you're uh, making plays or who was it for the uh, Eagles in the Super Bowl. You've got to rely on your quarterback and 
if you've got a bad quarterback, you can't expect wonders from your wide receivers. So, who knows? It doesn't make sense to me. And, hey, look, every team in the NFL, including the New England Patriots, passed on Tom Brady five times. So, uh, let's not pretend anyone knows what they're doing in the draft. It's a crab shoot. Um, and it's just one of them things. Mate, you're always protecting Sasha Brown. Um, I think I've, I've woken up thinking this is not the right thing. This is not good. I'm really, I'm really worried that um, Dorsey's made a mistake. I think this this could be Dorsey's first mistake. Uh, I'd say his first mistake was giving Jarvis Landry an extension, but uh, it's definitely because he's shown at times he knew value because he went out and got that third round pick for Danny Shelton. Yeah, we traded away stuff for it, but he didn't fit our system, so there's no need to keep him. Whereas this, you've got a young, talented wide receiver with a lot of upside, and we've just carted him off. And there'll be loads of fans banging their tables going, oh, great news, he dropped that catch, and he's the one to blame for Owen 16 last season. And you see it online all the time, people trying to peg him as the only reason we didn't win a game. It's just farcical. The lad's got talent. He's adapting to the NFL because he came out with a very basic concept of routes to run and things like that and there's been improvement and we've had them flashes over the last couple of years after he's sort of recovered from the injuries where he's done good stuff so I think to dump him this early it, it's just silly. Yeah, I think the Bill fans are going to be very happy with this deal aren't they? I think they're going to be over the moon. The, the trouble they've got is poor old Corey Coleman he's going to another team when Josh Allen's going to be throwing him the ball. So, in in two... He can throw it far, though, Josh Allen. Oh, he can throw it far, so Corey Coleman might be able to run down the field, but it'll probably be on the wrong hashes for him to catch it. Uh, can you imagine a, a wide receiver with a worse situation? You go from Deshaun Kaiser to Josh Allen. It's, uh, the um, wide receiver at the Bills, uh, Kelvin Richardson. Oh, now, now you're asking me questions off the top of my head. Let me have a butcher's. But yeah, I was just going to, um, yeah, I was going to say, cap space wise, while you're, you're uh, googling that, is um, their cap space? Do we do we get punished at all? Do you think it's got one and a half, and I think two mil left if we think an extension? The, there'll be some dead cap, but it's one of them. It just all comes down to why. Um, I don't, I don't see the point of it, but. I think Dorsey will come out tomorrow and hopefully shed some light. So maybe he'll come out of a world deal and might not say anything. But quite frankly, some of his decision-making this week's been rash. Why was he coming out and saying in October, so after eight games this season, he's going to consider giving Tyrod Taylor an extension? Why, why extend your back, what you hope will be your backup quarterback after eight games? Because... If we get to the end of the season after 16 games and you go, Tyrod Taylor, he's been great, Baker Mayfield's not going to make it or needs another two years, then you either franchise tag him then or you talk about a deal. And people are saying, oh no, but Dorsey meant, oh, we're going to give um, Tyrod Taylor a backup money. If Tyrod Taylor's having a good year, he's not going to take five, six, seven million as a salary in the middle of a season. If he's having a bad year, are we really wanting to pay eight million pounds to Taylor? So it just doesn't make sense. I don't know if I he's... Think he's just, I think he's just saying that to try and create some more competition and get the most out of him. That's yeah. what I think he's doing. He could be saying that. I just think... I don't see the point. So dead money hit for Corey Coleman is 6.8 million. Um... So that's a, a lot of money we're uh, throwing away. But it's one of them things. It, it'll all come out when he highlights why he thought it needed to happen. But who knows? It's a wait and see sign. I don't want to get too deep, but um, yeah, waking up this morning, I am now a lot more worried about the roster than I was maybe two, three weeks ago when we started doing these podcasts. Um, I think now... The wide receiver room, we've got some questions. The O-line, we've got some questions. And at defensive tackle, we've got some questions. We've got TJ uh, Carey that I thought was going to be better than what I've seen of him so far. 
I'm, concer I'm concerned about him. We're paying him quite a lot of money, and he's not looking as good as we expected. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep. Well, it's, it's, it's one of them. So, it was Calvin Benjamin at the um, Bills, so good shout there. Um, but this whole, you get it with every team. They get their 90-man roster, and everyone's going, oh, 80 of these 90 players are amazing. I wouldn't want to cut any of them. They're all doing fantastic. They've had a great camp. And it's about being realistic that there's probably about 30 to 40 players on every NFL roster that's actually good enough. So we've got to move on. But yeah, there's desperate need now at defensive tackle. With two players out, there is, there's a lack of quality. So I think Hankins is probably going to come. The question is how much money is Dorsey going to throw at him? You've got... Does this mean a one-year deal for Des Bryant that doesn't really do much for us because we're talking about a Super Bowl window in two to three years, so do you really need to pay a load of money for a prima donna for one year? We'll find out. And I think the cornerback room I'm less worried about. Um, Terrence Mitchell's really stepped up. I think you're going to see a lot of um, carry playing sort of that nickel um cornerback, your, your slot cornerback sort of looking after your Jarvis Landry's and other people on other teams So, and BBC will drop in as sort of the backup slot cornerback and as well as the um, backup free safety on game day Okay Well the more, the more I think about this uh, Coleman thing is he must have just um, he must have just realised he's not going to get the ball a lot this season and he's had a, some sort of breakdown and kicked off and maybe they just don't like his attitude surely it's got to be something like that well it's it's one of them that I think he, Dorsey prides himself on dealing with the bad boys and um, it looks like he's he's bottled it so I'd much rather have kept him on sort of if he'd have been that third receiver this year and all the attentions go into um, Josh Gordon it's even, even Callaway or even um, Landry then he's sort of your tricky third player. And he should be better than every third or fourth rated cornerback on each team. So get him in there. And if all you're doing is using him to stretch the field, so you take them defenders off. So when Tyrod's throwing the four-yard passes to Jarvis Landry rather than going long, having a player like Corey Coleman that can run down the field just stretches the pitch out the field and just gives so much more space for him to do some damage so I, I see no point in this I think it's a bad move and I think it's one we'll regret for years to come so depth chart today um, Landry and Callaway. yeah and if, fingers crossed I'm, I'm only hoping Gordon's return is soon um, and then after that I think you're looking at um, Ratley, Higgins and Janice I'd say they're going to be our six at the moment but I think we're probably going to see a move, whether it's Des Bryant coming in, whether he's got his eye on trading for someone else. Um, I think we'll see a move somewhere because uh, Dorsey will want to bring in some talent because it's one of our thinnest rooms, wide receiver. It looks, it's one of them. It looks great on Madden, but it doesn't actually translate at the moment. Yeah, we were, we were trying to work out where everyone's going to go. As always happens, injuries, trades, it works itself out. We'll find out. All right, Jack. Thanks for the uh, morning call. Uh, let's get this uh, sliced into uh, your moment, your cap space uh, uh, podcast. And, uh, yeah, let's catch up soon. Yep. No worries. All, all right, mate. Have a good day. You too. Bye. In the beginning, there was darkness. <laughs> then... There was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Duffin, we're back in the studio. How does it feel? It's good to be back. 
It's been a long week, but uh, it's good to be talking Browns. Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. Well, it's good to be talking about cap space, and it's, it's good to be running the show for once. I've got a feeling, after all the complaints come in, it'll be the last time <laughs> I'll run the show. I, I heard a rumour that you've uh, popped over to... Cleveland, and there's dog stories, training camp involved, the pick up a pup day or or not? No, no, no. Um, so yeah, long story, but I'll try and uh, keep it very short. Um, my brother was going for a bit of a tough uh, time in here in London, and uh, he wanted a Burmese mountain dog mixed with a poodle, okay? Jack, are you a dog lover? I'm a dog lover, but uh, I couldn't imagine what one of those looks like I'll, I'll post a picture up later on but so basically the story is um, I was in Detroit working um, yeah he had this crazy bonkers idea that he wanted this dog um, he bought the dog guess how much for Jack a dog how much thousand five thousand US dollars um, so yeah I, I hired a car went down uh, into Amish world um down in Dansfield, near Mansfield, <laughs> middle of nowhere. Um, do you know, mate, the uh, Shawshank Redemption was filmed there? I didn't. It's probably the most famous thing about the place. Yeah, so I got a hotel there, went down to um, uh, yeah, the Amish world. <laughs> not, not very many fans that we've got there yet. We're working on that. And then, yeah, basically, um, yeah, picked the dog up and then drove him straight to uh, Detroit Airport. Um, why Detroit? Um, only direct flight uh, back to London. Uh, mate, guess how much the flight was back for this, this very expensive dog? <laughs> I just hope you didn't put it in hand luggage because that would have been awkward. You're like halfway getting on the plane and the dog's running down the aisle. So uh, let's say, what, £500? Mate, or... 500 quid. 2000 US dollars. Did, did the dog <laughs> have its own seat in first class? Mate, I've even got videos, mate, if you want to see it, mate. Um, it was the biggest joke ever. Yeah, basically, you flew direct to London. And, um, yeah, my brother was there waiting to pick the dog up. Was he happy? Surely he spent so much on this dog. It's the one he wanted. He's got to be in love. No, it gets worse. The story gets even worse. So we're 7,000 US dollars in for this dog. <laughs> He's only allergic to the dog. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It was a good experience. I'm going to put some pictures up. Me driving around, Cleveland Browns hat, dog in the back. Dog's still alive here in London. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's another connection for me in Cleveland. So, uh, so where's the dog now? Yeah, one of our, one of our, <laughs> one of our close... Uh, oh, yeah, one of our family members now looks after the dog. <laughs> so, But yeah, I, I help out once in a while, take it for a uh, walk. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to him. He's called Ruta. Uh, why Ruta? Because we bought them online. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, we've got to move on. This is not a dog podcast. It's a Cleveland Browns podcast. We are the dog pound. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good twist. So, uh, go on, mate. This is your big moment. Right. The cap space. You've been waiting to do this. Here we go, guys. This is it. So, uh, just advance warnings. I am a lover of Sashi Brown, as uh, you've probably picked up over the last few podcasts. So, big believer in what he was doing, and this is what it's about. So, the NFL salary cap each year goes up. It's about 107 to 109%, that small 7 to 9% increase, based on the TV deals and everything else. So, for this season, the NFL salary cap is set at $177.2 million, which is an incredible amount of money. And a lot of this comes about from reading a book by Zach Moore. It's called Caponomics, Building Super Bowl Champions. So it's a book I'd recommend after this. You all go out and buy. It's about how teams spend their cap on different positions and how you build that team that can win. So it's a good read and lots of the stuff I'll talk about today comes from that. So Sashi, for all his sins and people like Lee, hate his guts, but uh, he gave us a £58.9 million rollover of salary cap from last season. So we've got a 33% higher salary cap than anyone else in 
the NFL based on average. And that's a massive amount of money. So basically the rollover works as any of that money you don't spend, you can ping into the next year. Oh, cool. Um, so next year, how much how much money are we going to have rolling over? If it stays the same as it is now, how much money will we have next year? Well, uh, at the moment, it's, it'll change depends on who we cut from the roster. But on sort of my predicted roster at the moment, we're looking at spending 103% of the standard NFL salary cap this year, so I'd guess the rollover will be somewhere about 50 to 55 million, but who knows, we might see a few free agents come in, we might see one big player cut or traded, so that could move around, but I'd, I guess you're looking at about a 50 million pound rollover, pound, dollars, it's going to happen through this episode, sorry guys, not used to living in dollars, so uh, we'll do mine, but lots of people are going, oh there's all this salary cap, let's go out and spend it, It'll be great. We can get all these fantastic players for next season. Mate, I've got to admit, why don't we just go out and just uh, sign, I don't know, three, five free agents? So if we went out and signed, let's say, five free agents, and we've got that spare $55 million, so we go out and blow that, put them all on three-year deals, and then next year, the salary cap will go up a little bit, but suddenly we're spending... £40 million more than the NFL salary cap is. So we've got to look around the team and go, where are we going to cut this? You've obviously got Tyrod Taylor's contract goes, the dead money, but there's no room there for bringing in the new draft picks next year and the other stuff like that. So you've got to be really careful with that extra money. But yeah, surely draft picks are cheap as chips. They're cheap, but someone like um, Baker Mayfield, that's nearly £6 million this year. So Dollars, come on Jack. Dollars, working on it, guys. You're going to hear it throughout, and I'll I'll keep trying to apologise. But that, that's a lot of money, six million. So the first overall picks, no no cheap thing, but it is a lot cheaper than a big contract that some of these quarterbacks are getting. Okay. So if we look at what that money should be used for, the fifty-eight point nine million, the two things it should be used most for is front-loading those deals. So say a star player comes along, and you you look what um, the 49ers have done with Jimmy G. Yep. They've pumped loads of money into the front of that deal. So later on, when they look as a franchise and they want to be winning Super Bowls, suddenly they've paid him massive amounts of money up front, and they've got a nice cheap deal on the back end. While we're talking about uh, Jimmy G, what's your thoughts on that? Are you upset that he's not uh, a Brown? I'm not. I think the best chance you've got of going out there and winning a Super Bowl is if that rookie QB is just doing anything above average on that cheap deal, it's your best shot of winning it. And we had John Costco on recently from PFF, and he had that fantastic article that he recommended, and I encourage people to go read it. And that said that the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL or someone on a rookie deal are the ones that have won every Super Bowl recently other than one. And that just goes to show, unless you've got that elite quarterback or you've got that cheap rookie. And just look what happened to the Ravens. The Ravens went and dumped a big contract on Joe Flacco's desk after he won the Super Bowl, and they're just not the same team since because of all that money you give a player. And you even look at the Seahawks. They built that amazing defence and great team. Once they'd started paying Russell Wilson, suddenly they can't afford to let all these superstars continue. So they're having to move them on. And that's the danger you see of if you can save, say, 20 million by not paying your quarterback big money you're saving a lot and you, you can spend that in different places okay so we'll just go through the roster position by position obviously the biggest one is quarterback um, we're in a really good position as a team obviously Tyrod Taylor it's a one year deal and unless a miracle happens this is his one and only season with the Browns he'll move on and we'll, we'll get a nice pick back because he's going to get signed up to a deal by another team, as long as he doesn't have a mayor this year. So that room is really nice moving forward. You've got Mayfield, who's going to be a young player, going forward and doing wonderful things. You've got Stanton, which is exactly what you sort of want from a backup. You've looked at other teams, like, look at the Patriots. When they've had, in their last few injuries or suspensions for Brady, they've gone on and been a really successful team, because that roster is so good. So it doesn't matter whether you're relying on a rookie or someone else. You keep building. 
And I reckon next year we'll probably use a pick, probably on day three, and just bring in that rookie and you take a punt on someone. And they might turn out to be good, they might not. But here's where building different teams... Do you extend that quarterback? And it's the hardest question any team has. Because especially, you might win that Super Bowl when Baker Mayfield's still our quarterback. But does he deserve a new deal? Because if you're going to commit 10 13% of your salary cap to one player, he's got to be able to carry your franchise. So I'd ask you, Paul, how many quarterbacks do you reckon deserve that franchise quarterback massive deal in the NFL? Um, top of my head, three: uh, Rogers, Breeze, and um, Brady. That's fair enough. I, but you look at the ones out there. You got Matt Stafford, twenty-seven million pounds on average. Carr, twenty-five million. Flacco, twenty-two million. And I look out there and I ask: the franchise quarterback tag is thrown around, and everyone's looking for one. There's only a couple out there, I'd say. Personally. I reckon you've got Brady and you've got Rodgers. They're the two players that can put a whole team on their back and however good, bad, anything's going on, you trust them that they've got a real shot of winning that Super Bowl and they'll at least get you to the playoffs. And that's sort of got to be the goal every year. Get to the playoffs and anything with knockout football, whether it's soccer, whether it's anything else, anything can happen. So you're saying keep uh, Mayfield for three, four years and then get move him on? I would say... well. The luck of he's a first-round pick, so you get that fifth-year extension. So I would say what you do, you keep him for the first five years, and unless, who knows, he might turn into a Rodgers-Brady-level player, but unless he becomes that good, you tag him after that fifth season, and then you trade him. And I reckon, if, if you'd have looked, if you stick Russell Wilson a, a year ago onto the trade block, what do you reckon you get in, in terms of picks in that trade? Um, a first and a second round I reckon you could easily get two firsts I think if Jimmy Garoppolo had that without real, any real track record of delivery you got a second round pick and if he'd have had a Super Bowl ring two, three play, playoff appearances where in consecutive years when he's taken a team to the playoffs some desperate GM will open up the book and throw their money away so I'd say you tag them, trade them get in your first two round picks and then get that new QB. You have sort of a Drew Stanton style player who they can do your first few games and you've got to look, Stanton had a good winning record last season and any team which, as long as that roster is incredibly good and it's coached well, which obviously is a big question in its own right, then you just keep building that team and you have, rather than spending that $27 million on a quarterback, Give the quarterback the five, six million because of a draft pick and spend the rest of that money in other places because a good team, you sort of fill that hole of a quarterback. And you reckon uh, getting that third QB around round three, four, that's the type of level of QB we should have? I, I reckon if you're looking for that Mayfield-style quarterback, they're only in the first round. You've got to go for it in the first round, choose who it is, and jump on it. If you can't find someone at that level, and in your other years when you're sort of taking a punt, on day three, just go for one of them. There's no real point in that second and third round on day two, because if they're good enough, they're going in the first round. If they're going to need long development, they're going to be on the board later on. So I would say you're looking for your developmental diamond in the rough, and every year, quite frankly, you can take one on day three. So if you're using the fifth, sixth, seventh pick, pick one up each year, and just see what they look like, other than the years when you're using that pick on the higher one, and see what happens, because it's worth a punt. If you find a Russell Wilson late on in the draft, he was on like half a percent of the salary cap, and he's winning Super Bowls. So there's a lot of value to be had there. I think the next position, running back. There's a lot of talk. Duke Johnson got his deal. Now Todd Gurley's got his massive deal. I wasn't a big fan of the Todd Gurley deal. I think they've paid far too much money. The running back by committee approach where Patriots have done it, you've then got the Eagles done it recently, and lots of the teams going to and being successful year on year are moving to running back by committee. Are you happy with the uh, uh, Duke Johnson contract? 
I think it's a fantastic contract. I would argue the only sort of running back you ever look to extend is someone like a, a Duke, who they're not really what you'd conceive in the past of that running back. They're a receiving back. He's talking recently about he'd happily flip to being a slot receiver. And I can understand why, because you get a lot more money at the role and your career is longer. But he's the only sort of running back that I'd give that sort of deal to. And I think we got him at a fantastic price. He's great hands. And you give him more touches, you get more points, you get more wins. The, guy, the guy's class. I really think he's good. But all the other running backs on our roster, especially them sort of smashing running backs that you get the ball and they're going to get physically battered and they have short careers. Day three picks or you go and grab them in free agency. The Patriots have been picking players up and paying them a million a year and they're either a great receiver or a great through-the-tackles runner. And why do you go out and spend on the position in the NFL that has the shortest careers gets injured the most, potentially 15, 17 million a year, when you can go and spend a little bit of money and get more yards across a season on less money. Yeah, uh, don't forget Crowell's free agent. Was he un- free agent? Un- undrafted rookie, I believe. Yeah. Same thing, almost. Um, do you, what, what do you think about Hyde? You um, optimistic about him? Um, personally, I'd rather have we used sort of a 6th, 7th round pick and just picked up another running back. It's an incredibly deep class this year. But there is that talent every year coming out of college and it's, it's the easiest position to transfer into the NFL. Four-year deal, use and abuse them, they're going to be battered and then just let them go after that. Is Hyde uh, expensive or is he quite good value for money? I'd say Hyde's quite expensive. In the grand scheme, if you're comparing him to a quarterback, he's, he's cheap. But for How much? He's... Um, just shy of 2% of the salary cap and I'd, I'd always encourage people to you look at the salary cap in percentages because it's so easy to then compare year to year and sort of set targets for positions and things and you've got like Chubb 0.76% of the NFL salary cap this year Mate but I can't get my head around percentages what's that like in million? So you've got Hyde's on 3.2 yep. and Chubb's on 1.3 so that seems reasonable for Hyde, 3.2. I would say that's a th- £3 million I'd rather be upgrading at wide receiver or doing something else. When you can get a running back that I'd argue is just as good on a four-year contract for nearly half the price, I'm up for taking half the price on that because you can just throw them away and replace them. Running backs are unfortunately that position in the NFL that quality, demand... There's so many of them, so just use and abuse. So why do you think uh, Dorsey signed him? I think Dorsey signed him because Hugh Jackson just wanted guaranteed players and go out and do things this year. And rather than looking more long-term at the position and going, let's take a couple of running backs late on, oh, let's just get that one proven commodity so Hugh can't moan. And I can understand Dorsey wanting to stop a bit of Hugh moaning. Yeah, well, we, we had, it was a good, deep uh, draft for running backs. It was. So I think we could have got some... Day three talent there. So if we move on to wide receiver, there's quite a bit of dead cap. And it's important to remember, dead cap still hurts us. The teams that have had most playoff success over the last sort of five, ten years have been the teams that have the least dead cap. Because dead cap comes about where you have players that are free agent busts and you cut them, or new GMs and coaching staff come along, change the formation and move players out. So we've got 10% of the NFL salary cap, nearly 19 million dollars got it right that time well done mate um, in a mixture of dead cap and IR at the minute so all them players that go on to injury reserve they're still counting against our salary cap so if we look at the room I'd always much more be in favour of you don't pay that one elite wide receiver I'd much rather have three players on decent money than one player on outstanding money because the trouble is if you have one player that everyone knows you're going to throw to it just it makes you much more one-dimensional as an offense. You have got, and I'll hold your hands up, your Julio Jones, your Hopkins. Everyone knows the ball's going there, and they still manage to make it. So there are a couple of players out there that are worth that money. You've got Kenny Britt's contract, which will be gone after this year. That's, that's nearly five million. Yeah. That's a lot of money going to be off our books. And 
personally, I'm no fan of the, the Jarvis Landry deal. I think if you'd have picked him up for that one year and then allowed him to hit free agency, you could have got that pick back and he sort of gives you what he's given you already but without having to commit a massive amount of money. He's not a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You've been listening to too many uh, Pete Smith's uh, podcasts. To Pete Smith? Yeah. Um, I don't like uh, Kenny Britt. He, he was never a fan of coming to London. He made it quite public uh, knowledge that he hated the idea. And, uh, yeah, when he came over, I actually did give him quite a lot of abuse. And the difference between... I'd much rather see us move to two tight end sets... And the reason for that is the top of the tight end market versus the top of the wide receiver market. So let's let's compare. What do you reckon is the difference between Rob Gronkowski and who, who's the top paid uh, wide receiver in the NFL? Let's say a uh, Julio uh, Jones-style, Antonio Brown-style contract. What do you reckon is the, the difference of that? Gronk's got to be on serious dough. Gronk's on dough, but it's half... It's roughly half the tight end market of the top of that wide receiver market. And who would who would you rather have? Do you want Julio Jones or Rob Gronkowski? It's a tough question. Well, going to fancy football knowledge, uh, I don't know actually. Um, I, 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 I'll leave Paul to stew over that for a second, but I would say I, you still take that elite wide receiver but would you rather have two Gronks or one Julio on your roster yeah two Gronks all day long everyone's going the two Gronks and I'd much rather have seen the Browns rather than pay massive amount of money for a slot wide receiver pump in them two tight end sets and you could have had Njoku on one side Mike Gusecki on the other and then could you imagine the inside of a field with them two running up it and just causing absolute carnage. Do you see Mike's catch yesterday? On the floor, one-handed. He looks good. He's a beast. He's a beast. It, 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 I'll tell you one thing that made him look better. Cleveland Browns jersey. <laughs> but it's that sort of options that you make. And it's one thing about salary cap. When you get annoyed that we've paid Jarvis Landry $15.5 million this year. And it's not a frustration of people go, oh, but we've got all the money, it doesn't really matter. But that's opportunity cost. And looking forward, we could have brought in Mike Gusecki and had two freaks in Inchoku and Gusecki for the next four years on literally no money. Would that have pushed uh, Seth Val out, do you reckon, no? <coughs> I don't think it pushes Seth out because if at the end of the day, if you're playing two tight ends on every play, you've got to rotate them. So you would need sort of four tight ends and five wide receivers. So you'd you'd have still been rotating and playing them. Yeah, yeah. And um, surely, though, to find... Uh, is it harder to find tight ends or are they just as easy as uh, wide receivers? I think in terms of the players like Darren Fells, incredibly hard to find. That good quality blocking tight end is something you never see coming out of college. So I would say that's one of them rare times when you go and... You only get them from free agency. Let other teams risk and develop them. And just go out, getting them move, block, um, sort of freaks like your Devalve, your Njoku, your Gusecki. You've got your OJ Howard at Tampa Bay. And you've got sort of your new breed of white, uh, tight end coming through, like your Evan Ingram. They're not really tight ends, in all honesty. They're just ginormous wide receivers that rip up the inside of the field. So why are they so cheap? I think they're cheap because... People are looking for your outside wide receiver that if you launch it and make that pass right, like a Brandon Cooks, if you get a really good pass to Brandon Cooks, it's going for a touchdown because he's so much quicker than everyone else and it's that vertical deep threat of you stretch the field. and Also, it's a passing game, so I don't think it'll be long before that tight end market increases, but while it's cheap, you may as well take advantage of it. Okay. So if we follow through and finish off the offence, and while we're still talking about the offence, you've got the divide that Zach Moore came up with for how a team should sort of break down how it spends cap. He's looked at your offence should account for 49.5% of your cap spend, your defence should account for 45% of your cap spend, and your special team should account for 5.5%. And at the moment, if you look at just this year's figures... 
you've got 60% of cap spent on offense, percent, <laughs> 41% of cap spent on defense, and a nice cheap 2.1%, 2.2%, sorry, on special teams. So we definitely need to make some savings somewhere on offense. One of the biggest parts is our O-line. And we've got a fantastic O-line. Obviously, there's that weakness on the left tackle we still need to sort out. But there's a lot of money invested in a handful of players. Because nearly all of our our four big O-line names, and sort of no one knows at left tackle at the minute, has got three free agents and Batonio that we've extended. Mm. And there's a risk there because... If you're having to rely on going out and paying massive money for these players, then you leave a big hole because the more money you spend on that left tackle, the less money you're spending on wide receivers and your QB. So it's about balancing that money. And I'd much rather have a team like the Patriots and others have created rather than having your one, two, three superstars and then everyone else is on cheap deals. Move that more towards the middle. If you might have your one superstar because you might end up paying that QP massive money. But pay lots of people in that sort of tier two, because if you can give loads of money to them middle-of-the-road players, you're going to generate a much better squad of when someone gets injured, you can survive. So um, do you think Greg Williams is like going, come on, give me some more players, I've got cap space? I don't think Greg Williams is moaning too much, because lots of that defence is full of rookie contracts, and they're going to be expensive moving forward. If you're looking at Miles Garrett, he's incredibly cheap at seven million, which sounds like a lot, but for a rookie contract, when that's getting extended, he's going to be competing with the um, Donald in um, Donald, sorry, in with the Rams. Your Sue deal in the past, your Mac deal for the Raiders. There's going to be lots of people competing for them big deals. When they're talking about, they want twenty million a year. So, getting someone like Garrett number one overall for what he's going to produce for that rookie contract is in just insane value, and we're going to get great value out of it. But you look at the rest of the line; it's a really good room they've created. You've got Smith come in, a lot of experience and can do things. Ogba's on a cheap deal. Ogan Joby, it's just like he's everyone's man crush as a Browns fan. Um, once you took at Garrett and Ogba, everyone loves Joby, And there's a lot of talent on that team. And it wouldn't surprise me if one of our first three rounds next year, they're going to be that D-line. I just think they're going to go out and they're going to spend. And if I had to predict our first three picks next year, in no particular order, because who knows, and they might fix one of these in free agency and not need it. It's going to be defensive tackle. It's going to be cornerback. And it's going to be left tackle. And that's where I think them three picks go. But um, the D-line's really good. And the one thing I'd just say, just flipping back to the O-line, Zeitler is an awful lot of money. And that might be where they've decided to draft Corbett as his replacement. £12.4 million this year. So he's got another two years before we can realistically cut him because of the dead cap hit. So I think Corbett might be your two years early sort of backup guard and then become Zeitler's replacement. But uh, we'll flip through and we'll look at linebackers. And I think this probably is going to be Jamie Collins' final year. He's uh, expensive, right? He's very expensive. At over twelve million this season, he's taken up. He's our biggest hit on defense by nearly double anyone else around him. So, has he been worth it? No. He's got the potential to do a lot better. Um, John Costco spoke last episode about lots of different things he could do to sort of get more value out of him. I think there it's basically an open audition between Kendricks or Avery, who's going to produce the most. There's been lots of positive buzz about Avery um, from those that have gone to training camps. So he's a beast, right? He's doing really well. He's here, there, and everywhere. And I saw some of the numbers about like the pressures and things he's caused from the linebacker role. He's up there. So that 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 the key part of the um, team is so strong. Um, five solid people in there. Um, who, who runs it? It's um, Greg Williams' son, isn't it? Yeah, he's the linebacker coach. Greg's really looked after his son there, hasn't he? <laughs> he's done him good. Son, you're not going to go wrong with these players. And then, so, if if we flick through next to the uh, cornerbacks first, I really like what 
John Dorsey's gone out and done. So he spent a bit of money chasing some players, and it wouldn't surprise me if Breland gets added to this room. And he's just gone and sort of gone, let's bring in loads of people on one-year contracts. What happened last year didn't work. So you've still got quite a big dead cap hit. You've got Hayden, 3.6 million on our books. You've got um, Taylor, who's 2 million. So these will move on next year. But any of these players, other than sort of Carey and Ward, could easily be cut this year. When do we stop paying for Hayden? So all these dead cap hits are just gone this year. The only reason I think Hayden's still on there is because his cut wasn't in the off-season last okay. year. It was in the start of that pre-season. So it went over the two years. But we might see one... So Ward's coming back next year. Carey's probably coming back because of his cap hit. But we could see all the others who are in the starting roster all gone this year. And we might completely rebuild that cornerback room again. But we've got the option. Mitchell's on a three-year deal. So if he can deliver, he's there. Gaines is on a one-year prove-it-or-go-home. Breland might come in on a three-year deal. So you're going to need four or five cornerbacks if you want to be a decent team that's competing at the highest level. Most of the teams, the Eagles, were really keen on it last year. Only have two linebackers out there. Get that extra cornerback out there and dominate teams because it's a passing league. So let's prepare for pass. And why have a an extra linebacker out there that might be slightly more interested on the run than a uh, slot cornerback that's going to deal with you people so it wouldn't surprise me if Carrie ends up as our sort of slot cornerback and does the business there what about BBC BBC I think is going to be our Swiss army knife yeah um, he's popping up everywhere he's going to play in the slot I think if Carrie ends up as our starting slot cornerback he could be our backup slot cornerback or we might see times when there's four cornerbacks on so you might see both of them but BBC was a fantastic performer last season he, there's rumours that he might also drop in as back up free safety or you might see where they obviously can't take all the 53 man squad into the each game so it might be that they bench a Darren Smith or someone as your back up free safety and BBC sort of there if you get an injury during the match so moving over to the safety room it's awesome they're all on rookie deals um, but isn't Randall come to the end of his uh so this is Randall's last year, but we've already extended him next year yep. um, because we took that fifth-year option where he's a first-round pick for the uh, Packers. So it's a good room, full of talent. I would happily see Peppers and Kindred on the field for nearly every snap and drop on them linebackers, let them chase around and deal with that tight end problem that we've got. Every year now, tight ends just seem to seems to be that thing in fantasy. Just grab the tight end that's playing against the Browns because you know he's going to get lots of points. So if one of them two can really come in and sort of nail down that role, then it wouldn't surprise me if we see them both on the pitch very often. You've got Peppers who can sort of play as a hybrid linebacker. So drop one of them linebackers and get Peppers in there in the box with Kindred, just causing carnage. But you've then got special teams, which there's some debate. Will we move on from Colquitt, save ourselves 750 grand? And flipped to Vogel. So Vogel was at Green Bay last year. It's really odd. They cut him and then used a fifth round pick on him instead, which everyone was questioning at the time. But that move, if you're going to get just as good production, why not make the change? Yeah, but mate, we've got like 60 million in uh, 60 million in cap space. Why would we bother to save less than a mil? I would say if if you look at all the different positions across the roster, and let's just say in five or 10 different areas you go player A is going to give me 90% of the production of player B but I'm going to save nearly a million on each of them so if you imagine 10 different players across the roster that you save that 750 grand suddenly you're looking at oh I've got a free 7.5 million pound player I can go out and sign in free agency without having a single effect on my roster so you might be able to add a Breland, a Hubbard that we've got at right tackle, another player each year that is of that level just because you make these little savings. And what I'd rather see us do is go out and make 10 little savings than you're trying to go around. Because if, if I said to you tomorrow, we've got to cut 10 million off our roster by the start of camp, and that's without looking at dead cap, you've got literally a choice of Tyrod Taylor, 
Jarvis Landry, Zeitler, or Collins, one of them's got to go. So them little savings is better than one big saving. Yeah, but all them, as you say, 10% that you're maybe loaning in a player, surely that adds up. It adds up. So I'm looking at Vogel that's had one year in the NFL, and if he's 90% of the player Colquitt is, it's worth sticking with because you've got him nailed down for another this year and two more after that um, where you can really just get the most out of him and you can really get that value so I would say you cheap players and look at Desmond Harrison at left tackle if he can come through and be the player that we hope he can be there's lots of talk about has he got the potential you've got Robinson who we can have on that one year deal at 790 grand or you sign Harrison who's on 480 this year but you tied into for the next two years so while the Giants go out and spend £12.2 million on getting Nate Solder in, that's not an elite left tackle, he's just good. And if you have Desmond Harrison for the next three years, suddenly you've got a £12 million save in there, dollars, that you can then bring into that roster. And that extra £12 million might mean, well, let's hope Gordon comes back and is the player we want. He's got another, he's got this year, when he, if he comes back and you've got next year and then we might have to consider giving him a massive extension what do you think uh, Gordon will cost us 15, 20 million if he comes back and is the player he's capable of being over the next two years and there's no issues off the pitch and no sort of unexpected leaves of absence or anything like that I think he could easily be looking at the 18 million mark if Sammy Watkins who is nowhere near the player Gordon is capable of being, can go out and get 16. I think 18 is fair. And if we don't give him that, he'll probably want to test free agency and he'll go out and make a payday. Yeah, I think though with uh, Josh Gordon, though he's always got this uh, stigma with him and uh, it will always affect his cost value. Yeah, I think that's why I say if he comes back for two years and he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL and he's pulling down passes and going for touchdowns, then you can talk about that money but it's all going to depend on Josh Gordon but what I'd say is the big thing of we don't want the Browns to go out in there and spend lots of money so what we want is them to almost sit on that money at the minute use it for them big sort of extensions so when someone comes along and you're looking at in a couple of years Miles Garrett suddenly we've got a spare 40 million that we've still got banked from sort of the Sashi Passover and you go, right, we're going to give $20 million of that to Garrett. It's a big signing bonus that we're going to throw in there. And then suddenly, rather than looking at a $20 million, pound, uh, $20 million cap hit each year, you're looking at only 15 And that's just that massive saving that allows you to keep a Garrett for another four years. Because I'd love to see Garrett and Ogba continue on our roster for the next 10 years being the pass rushing duo they're capable of. But if we go out and spend this £60 million before we have to renew them, there's a good chance it's going to be a question of Ogba or Garrett. And that's it's not a choice I'd want to make. Let's have both. Here's a, here's a tough one for you, Jack. Um, what's your uh, favourite player? Uh, Jonathan Hankin, you want to sign, free agent? Yeah, you've got players like Jonathan Hankin on... Can you afford him? You can afford him, but it's a choice of... Do you want to afford him? So if they're looking at him and going, we reckon we can get him on, let's say, four to five million, um, bring him in on a one-year deal, I'd say that sort of deal's worth it because another thing you can use this sort of spare salary cap for is one-year punts, but not on a. don't want to use it on a Des Bryant that you sign for one year, he plays okay, but then you're never going to extend him. But if you bring in a Hankins and suddenly you can sort of do that pass rushing and be the player that many teams hoped he could be, then you give him that extension and suddenly you've sort of you've got that player locked down. But I would say a lot of this is about allowing these young players to produce, become the players we want to play, but then use them draft picks wisely. Because if we're using draft picks, to, the great thing is people saying you, you want to use your draft picks to get left tackles and right tackles, because they're so cheap, you want to get them in free agency. And it's just this bizarre idea within the NFL. And all the data has now shown is the difference between left tackle and right tackles is so small. 
it's still a slight favouring of left tackle, but they're getting paid an insane amount different. So if you can draft a QB, a left tackle, a top pass rusher, a top cornerback, then suddenly you're saving your team $10 million a year that you can spend in other places. So it's about drafting well, but drafting smart. There's no point taking a running back. There's no point taking a wide receiver. There's no point taking a linebacker. There's no point taking a safety in the first or second round, I'd argue. So get them picks later on and just take some more punts. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the Giants with uh, Barkley. Yeah, I, I, just, I think Barkley's a bigger risk than people realise. I think Darius Geis was a better pick as a running back. I think the bigger risk you've got with Barkley, and I think he'll end up over the next four years turning into one of the best slot receivers in the NFL because I think his hands are great, he can run routes. What I don't think he's capable of is running the ball. And in the same way, people are going out and paying the Bells, the Girlies, and those type of players is because they're dual threat. No one knows if they're going to run the ball or they're going to be a receiving back and make the difference. Barkley's got a terrible track record of running the ball. He doesn't like running between tackles. He's got a track record of negative yards. He's got a track record of just struggling to get through anyone and also the move that he's perfected in college and done the business with is run to the outside and run down the sidelines which is great in college because you're so much more of a physical freak compared to anyone else the trouble is if you've got Jamie Collins Miles Garrett Ogba running at you the space isn't there because these players are so much quicker you just don't have that space to run down the side so it wouldn't surprise me if Barkley goes out and becomes one of the best slot receivers in the NFL I just don't think he makes it as a running back. Not to the level people are raving him about, and I think they'd be much better, eh? A Giants, if they'd have taken a QB at number two, suddenly this big OBJ question looming over their head of, oh, we can't afford to extend OBJ because we don't have the money. If you take that rookie quarterback, suddenly you've got a spare 10, 15 mil. What do you do with that? You go out and you extend an OBJ because if a rookie quarterback is throwing at uh, Beckham, it's a good chance he's going to catch that ball. Yeah. And uh, uh, Bell, I guess you don't want him to become Browns. Just far, far too expensive in your uh, cap world. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking. We've got Duke at, say, $4 million. Why would we want to bring in a Bell at $17 million to bench Duke? So why are we always uh, a landing spot for him or trade rumours or blah 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 why why does he keep coming up uh, I'm going to say lazy journalists because they just look at the cap space and go oh they've got money so we'll go there Todd, and Todd's, Todd's with us I guess there's a connection but there's a connection but I just I don't think the link's there as much as people make it I think people just look at and players want to get associated with the Browns because if they're saying to another let's call them Team X going oh, I spoke to the Browns they're going to pay me 15 if you do me 13, I'll come here because I prefer you. That that suddenly pushed up their price. If they're suddenly going in a market where no one's willing to pay over 10, then their price is there. So um, that's about it. But no, thank you very much, Paul, for allowing me to have a uh, episode to get this off my chest. Um, by all means, if you've got any questions, get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Jack Duffin. And what are you on Twitter as, Paul? Uh, Paul Brown underscore UK. But I'd encourage you all to go out, buy Zach Moore's book. If you're over in the States, buy it on Amazon. If you're in the UK, stuff like ebooks, um, Kindle, it's easily available there. But uh, Caponomics, Building Super Bowl Champions, it's a fantastic book. Go over to Over the Cap. They do loads of great work on articles as well as looking at all the salary cap for teams. Um, give it a read and uh, let me know what you think so uh, Jack does that mean you've got this finally off your chest I've got it off my chest no doubt when as the season happens and we make roster moves whether it's cutting someone whether it's signing someone to an extension we'll come back to this and we'll have a little chat but um, I've done tables for where I think the roster is and uh, I'll pop them up on Twitter when this episode goes live so uh, just pop over to my Twitter and you'll be able to see what I'm blabbing on about maybe Dawson will have a look at them who knows? Uh, send. Uh, we'll try send over a copy. One to Dorsey, one to Paul P- um, De Podesta, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, look, 
um, going forward. Um, we've got a few shows lined up. We're going to try and get out uh, three shows a week. That's going to be our target. We've done, I think, five episodes now. So, yeah, three a week going forward. And uh, we want to get more people on from the States. Still having a few technical issues with Skype, recording, etc. Um, so, working on that. We're learning every single day, every single episode. And, yeah, if you want to come on the show... Uh, especially around uh, the pre-season games, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so if you've got any ideas of guests you want to see, things you want us to discuss, make sure you reach out to Paul, let him know, and uh, we'll do everything we can to get him on. Obviously, before anyone gets in touch and says, oh, we want Baker Mayfield, we'd love Baker Mayfield too, and we'll keep doing what we can to get him on. But um, bear with us, guys, as we continue rowing. And thank you so much. We're looking at the numbers. Lots of people listening. I didn't think it'd be going this well so early. And uh, let's keep rolling. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. And uh, Cleveland, enjoy yourself. Take care. Bye-bye.